You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Father God, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for this church family. Uh, Lord, we ask that, uh, that as we give just a portion of what you have blessed us with, that you would use that to do awesome things in this church, in this local community, in the world at large. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we pray over those backpacks that the kids that would receive those would, uh, would receive those in your name, that they would, that they would see you in that. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears uh, to receive the message this morning. We pray over Sean as he delivers your word. Be with him and help us to, uh, to hear that. We love you so much. And we pray all these things in your son's name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Love you, dude. Love Thanks, you. man. Thank I appreciate this guy because he, now I'm not the youngest elder, so that's great. He's helping me. All right, well, I'm Sean. Like he said, I'm one of the elders and obviously one of your preachers, and so we're going to get to study God's Word together today. A little bit of business to take care of first. On this back resource table, which is this table right in the middle, right when you come in the doors here, we have a paper there, and it's called Elder Talk, which sounds like the mutterings of a bunch of old men. It's not that. It's, it's not that. It's, it's actually just a, a paper that we publish, usually after each elder meeting. Sometimes it will be compiled of like a couple of elder meetings. And it just lets you as a congregation know what it is that we are working on, what it is that we are doing when we meet as we look to lead and love and serve you well. And so that's what that's for. If you're interested in it, you can grab it right there on the, on the table there. It's also available uh, online um, and in our weekly email uh, address. So, all right. So if you're interested, grab that. Okay. Gospel of John. Man, last week when Jay uh, started this series out, if you haven't heard this sermon, you should go back and listen to his sermon. It was fantastic. There were so many times listening to his sermon that I was like, yes! But I thought it'd be awkward if I got up and did that in the middle of his sermon, so I, I held it back. But honestly, such a fantastic sermon. It was, it was wonderful. Um, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these, the first uh, books of the New Testament of the Bible, Um, really are all about the life of Christ. And they tell us about Jesus's life here on earth as he was uh, living here on earth. But all of them are from a slightly uh, different perspective. And so as we go through the book of John, through the gospel of John, um, we're really gonna get to see and learn and know more about who who Jesus is. And Jay rightly um, presented this question to us. He said, the question of who Jesus is, is the defining question of our lives. That is true. It's the most significant and the most important question that, that any of us can wrestle with is who is Jesus? Now, as we go, there's going to be a lot of familiar stories. For a lot of us, we're really super familiar with, um, with the Gospels especially. And so um, it, it may be really familiar for you, but my prayer and my hope has is, is been for you that you would maybe learn, maybe you would see, maybe you would understand things and, about God and God himself in a completely new and different way. This happens to me all the time when I read through the Bible where I see something, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. I'm hoping that's your, your experience as we go through the book of John. But for some of you, um, the book of John is going to be totally new to you. And that's also an amazing place to be because you're getting to discover God's word um, in this way for the first time. And God's going to do some incredible things uh, through that as well. And so whichever camp you're in, my, my prayer has been that you would come with expectation. 
that when you come to church on Sunday morning, you're not just checking a box. You're not just like, okay, that's what I do. I got to get up and go to church. You're coming ready. Maybe you've even asked the Spirit of God to work, to move, to do some things in your heart so that you're ready to hear from the Spirit of God. That's what we want to be here. That's what we want to do as we're here. And so I think as we go throughout this, if we're really super honest with, with ourselves, really honest about where we're at in our faith, whether our faith is really strong or whether it's really super weak or maybe even non-existent. And if we're really super honest with God about that, God is going to do some amazing things because that's the kind of God that we have. So I'm gonna pray uh, in a minute and then we're gonna start working. We are going to be in John 1, um, mostly verses six through 13. I am gonna back up a little bit and talk about verses four and five that Jay preached on last week just so we can kind of reset and review where we've been because all of this sort of flows together, all right? So bow your heads with me, we'll pray and then we will start to work. Father, um, God, what a wonderful morning it's been already. The time of worship has been great. God, I sense and, and feel your spirit here already. So thank you for that, God. I do want to invite you, God. I just ask that you would speak freely. That, God, you would cause me to say the words that you want me to say, that you would cause me to not say anything you don't want me to say, that, Father, your spirit would make this make sense to everybody who's hearing this right now, everybody in the room. And, God, I pray that you would do some things, that you would change some things about our hearts, about our lives, about our knowledge of you, about our understanding of you, and maybe even about our understanding of ourself. So, Father, that's my prayer. I pray for those things. Thank you for your spirit that will work, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so John chapter one, verse four starts this way. It says, in him, that's Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What John, uh, the apostle John, the writer of this book is saying, is that Jesus came to bring us life. And he came not just to bring us biological life, although as we looked at last week that Jesus created everything by him, through him, for him, everything was created. So he is, in fact, the author of biological life, but he is also the author now of true, deep, meaningful, joyful, hopeful, spiritual life. That's the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. And that's why I am so, so excited about this, this whole series. Because for me, even just one week in, it was kind of like a recalibration, a reset of what we're supposed to be about, and what the kingdom of God is, is all about. Jay helped us to, to see that last week. Biological life is very important. It's very important. My daughter and I both work as nurses in the neonatal ICU. We work tirelessly and daily, well, nightly in our case, to, to save, preserve, protect human life. That's, that's what our job is. As, as nurses. And it's super, super important, but it's not all that there is. Over the last couple of years, we as a culture, we as a nation, we as a globe became obsessed with protecting and preserving human life through the pandemic, which is important work to do, but it's not all that there is. Because if that really is all that there is, if we really are just this lump of cells that has somehow evolved into the species that we are over the last, you know, millions or billions of years, then we don't need a savior. Jesus doesn't have to come. But the truth is, is that isn't all there is. We need life. Jesus came to bring us not just biological life. He is the author of that as well, but he came to bring us real life. And so that's what we're going to be studying about as we go throughout this book. It says Jesus is the light of life. When Jesus came onto the scene, it was like flashing on the sun in the middle of the blackest night. Boom, light. 
And John is going to help us to see what that looked like when Jesus um, was beginning his ministry, what the sort of things were happening then. And so I want to look at that this morning, but I also want to talk about later then, if Jesus came to bring us life, then what do we need to do if there is anything we need to do to realize that kind of life that Jesus is, is bringing for us? So there's going to be four steps to life that we'll look at later on, all right? Okay, let's get into the meat of this here. John 1, uh, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. All right. So verse six, verse six he starts talking about this guy, the Apostle John is writing and he says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. And he says really clearly here that he himself, that's John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so what the Apostle John is saying is that John the Baptist was sent. He was a man sent by God. And John's life and his work, everything about him was preordained by God himself. This is something that was prophesied or spoke about hundreds and hundreds of years before uh, John the Baptist was born. Look at what Isaiah said in Isaiah 43 through 5. He says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Um, the prophet Isaiah is predicting that this guy named John is going to come onto the scene. He's prophesying about that. And so um, we know that, that that was true. John the Baptist came preaching a message of repentance and letting everybody know that the kingdom of heaven was near. The language that Isaiah is using about making things lat, flat and level and, and ready and getting the ground ready was the kind of language that would be used when you were ushering a king in, when you were waiting for a king to arrive. And in fact, the king of kings and lord of lords was on his way. And so John the Baptist was there as a forerunner to Jesus, waiting for and preparing for him. And when he burst onto the scene, he pointed to him and said, look, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, a couple of things about prophecy, because we've talked about prophecy here. We've talked about the prophet Isaiah. Um, a, a prophet is really just one who speaks on God's behalf at the direction of, of God. And so prophecy um, is simply just the message that has been spoken. Often prophecies predict things about the future that, that will come true. And everything um, should be tested. We're told inside of scripture to test um, spirits. We should test prophecies. Um, prophecies should be tested, and they should be tested um, asking a couple of questions. Number one, is the prophecy that has been spoken consistent with God's word and God's character? And number two, did the prophecy come true? Now, in John the Baptist's case, of course, it did. It, it totally came true. We are still, friends, sometimes I think I forget this, we're still living in a time where some prophecies that God has spoken haven't come true, so we're right in the middle of some of these prophecies that are coming. It's, it's amazing as we look forward to things that were promised to us. But John the Baptist's case, it did come true. Now, let me say this. As a nurse in a neonatal intensive care unit, baby, tiny babies, that's what I take care of, all right? And 
All babies are an absolute miracle. It is, gosh, oh man, I thought I'd stave this off longer. I'm not, I'm crying already, I'm sorry. It's amazing, it's amazing to me how God made humans come together in such a way that they create a baby. I'll spare you the details because maybe you don't want to hear them right now. You guys know how it works, okay? God made us to be able to participate with him in creating life, an absolute miracle that happened. But John the Baptist's birth, it was like a double miracle because John the Baptist's parents were super, super old, way past the age when they should have been able to have babies. And God goes to them and tells them, you're going to have a baby. They even told um, them that, that his name would be John and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he was in utero. Amazing, amazing. So all of that to say, John was sent specifically by God to be a witness to and declare a testimony of who Jesus was. Now I want to show you a picture. I love this thing. Does anybody know what this is? If you, if you know, just raise your hand. I'm going to tell you in a second. Oh, yeah. You knew it last service, too, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, what this is, it's called the Odilo uh, Solar Furnace. This thing's wonderful. Okay. The, what it is, on the bottom right of the screen, you can see some panels there. What those are are panels of mirrors. And what they do is they reflect sunlight up onto this giant parabolic or curved-shaped wall that is also another series of mirrors. And those mirrors then re-reflect and concentrate that light down into a target that's about like 15 inches across. And this thing can generate incredible temperatures. How incredible. I know you're thinking, how incredible. Because some of you are like me and you remember like getting a magnifying glass and burning ants and stuff. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> Don't judge me. I, did, I never progressed to cats, okay? Relax. <laughs> we, we kept with the insects. Sometimes I do grasshoppers because they're bigger and they'd burn better. But um, okay, this thing can generate temperatures up to 6,300 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. <sighs> My mind is blown by that. I love this thing. It's just absolutely amazing. It was made back in the 60s in France. Anyway, this thing is amazing. Now, what's amazing about this thing is that this solar furnace is not the sunshine. It's not the sun. This solar furnace is just simply a series of mirrors that reflect the sunlight in, and in doing so can, can accomplish some incredible things. John the Baptist was not the light and he was not the life. His whole job was simply to witness to and testify about the one who is the light, who is the life. And because he did that, because God sent John the Baptist, and because of the work of the Spirit in the person of Jesus Christ, we can have life. We can have belief and we can have life. It's amazing. Look what he says next. Verse 9, the true light, again that's Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So he starts off here talking about the true light that gives life to everyone. Again, that is Jesus. But, but the fact that it says true light, it implies to me that there are also false lights in the world. And so what would those false lights be? They would be anything that we look to in life outside of Christ. Anything that we believe might bring us more hope or security or, or might save us or make us feel comfortable. It really could be anything. Jay talked about this last week. It could be waiting for that it in life, whatever that is. It could be the next stage of life. It could be the next or a better relationship. It could be getting married. It could be having children. It could be getting a different, better, or new job. It could be acquiring financial success. It could be the outcome of the next election cycle. 
It could be social change in education. It could be food or wine. It could be anything that we look to outside of Christ. Most of these things, although they are good things, they are not the ultimate thing, and they will not and cannot ever be the true light that brings us life. So what are the false lights that you tend to run after? Jesus said, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world? Yet forfeit his soul. People spend their whole lives running after lights that are false. And Jesus himself is offering you life, real life, true life. It can't be found anywhere else. And the amazing thing is, is that he is offering it to the world. Look what he says here next, that this light's coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And I want to talk about this word world for a minute, because as we go throughout the book of John, John's going to use this word world in, in several different ways, ways that can be defined totally differently. So I want to say clearly what's happening here. And it's important to look through that as we go throughout the book. In verse 9 here, when he says that the light was coming into the world, the world there is really just planet Earth, that the, the light was coming on, onto the planet. Um, in the beginning of verse 10 there, where he says that, that he, that, uh, what does it say here? He was in the world. The world there is also, again, planet, planet Earth. Um, and it says, though the world was made through him, and here it could be talking about planet, but I also think it could be talking about the universe. All of creation could be talking about there. And then he said that, that it was, the world was made through him, and though the world uh, did not recognize him. And the world there that he's talking about is really talking about the people of the earth. So really this could read like this, that Jesus was coming into and on the planet. He was on the planet and though the planet and people and universe was made through him, the people didn't recognize him. The creator of the heavens and the earth and everything, the true light, the true life of the world shows up and mingles with his creation and they don't recognize him. It makes me think of what Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans 1 says this in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And then Paul's gonna go on and talk about some of the awful evil things that humanity and humans have done. And then look what he says in verse 25. He says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Paul is saying that there is evidences of the creator all around us in everything we look at. Have you ever seen a Gerbera daisy? Some of you have. It's one of my wife's favorite flowers. It's the most beautiful symmetrical flower you've ever seen. And it comes in a myriad of colors, so it's great. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen one of those, most of us have seen a sunrise or a sunset. Have you ever just sat and looked at the way that God paints the sky during the sunrise or the sunset and just sat in awe of his creation? It's unbelievable. Have you ever gone outside at night? Maybe you did this summer when it was perfectly clear and you could see all of the stars and maybe some planets and everything that's up there that God created. Absolutely unbelievable evidences of creator all around us. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact when you're getting ready in the morning and you're staring at your face in the mirror? That's evidence of creator right there in your mirror. Evidences of a creator. Yet the world does not recognize him. And Paul says that they worship created things rather than the creator. 
This makes me think about uh, some of the sh TV shows I like to watch. Um, I love survival shows. One that I've mentioned before here is called Alone. It's awesome. You should watch it if you haven't watched Oh, yeah, I got some Alone fans here. I love it. So, so good, this show. In this show, these people are, are trying to survive, but it's not like the show Survivor where they're just pretending to try to survive. These people are really trying to survive. They have to film everything themselves, and they have to, like, they get no food, no help, whatever. And so they're, of course, finding, trying to find food. So they find, like, any edible plants and berries, and things like that they can find, but they also are, are hunting and fishing and, and trying to get food that way. And almost every time on these shows, when they go to harvest an animal, which is a nice way of saying kill it, um, they almost always bend down and they touch the, touch the animal like, like, thank you, dear, thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. Thank you, muskrat. Thank you, muskrat. Thank you for giving your life. You shot it with an arrow. It didn't give you his life. <laughs> okay, now let me say clearly, I'm not against, you know, killing and eating animals. I'm pro-carnivore. I'm also pro-vegetable. I don't mind killing a vegetable and eating that either, okay? That's, that's great. But they always, always do this. Thank you, dear. Thank you, muskrat. Except for the fish, they just club them over the head, <laughs> which if you fished, you know what that's about. My point is, I love this show, and they don't acknowledge the the, the creator. They're acknowledging the created. They're almost worshiping the created. They're giving thanks to the created, but they're forgetting about the creator. They're not recognizing the creator. And it's, it makes me ask in my mind, why? How is that even possible? And it's possible because of what we looked at earlier in John 1, 5, where it says that the light shines in the darkness. Friends, outside of Christ, we are in darkness. Without the spirit of God in our lives, we are in darkness. And so even though God has given all mankind minds that the ability to think and reason and, and do some incredible things, without Christ, we're in darkness. And that's how they can not recognize. Because Jesus, the light of, and life of all creation, he comes to earth, they don't recognize him. What about you? Do you recognize Jesus? Not only do they not recognize him, but they actually reject him. Look what he says in verse 11. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Here John is talking about the nation of Israel. God comes in the person of Jesus to his own, to his nation of Israel, his holy people that he has built. This is a people group that God created from one man, Abram. And out of Abram and his wife, he brought a nation of millions of people. When they were in slavery in Egypt, God protected them and took care of them there. And then he delivered them out of slavery into the wilderness. They did some things that, that didn't please God. They didn't trust God. And so God punished them like a good dad. He disciplined his kids, but he still took care of them. He still loved them. He still provided for them. He still led them. God did everything for them. He gave them and offered them everything, including himself. And yet when Jesus comes to the world, they won't receive him. The prophet Isaiah also prophesied about this. Look at Isaiah 1, 2 through 3. He says, hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. The Lord here is rightly grieved and rightly angry. He's saying even an animal knows who its master is or where home is. But these people don't understand at all. And as a whole, in general, they, they rejected Jesus. Now, 
There were some that didn't reject Jesus. There was a few who didn't reject Jesus. And also amazingly, the offer of life was extended to Gentiles as well, which is fantastic because as Gentiles, we were not the chosen people. We were not God's holy special people yet, but the offer of life was extended to us as well. And I'm so, so thankful that it was. Take a look at what it says then in verse 12, what that means for our lives. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. This is amazing because John is saying that whoever, whether you're nation of Israel or a Gentile like most of us, whoever would receive him and would believe in his name, whoever would believe that he is who he says he is, Whoever would believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus is creator, that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, that he's savior, that he's Lord, that he lived on our earth, that he, he died a horrible, awful death being murdered on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, that he was put in a grave and then resurrected three days later. This is about believing those things and believing those things about Jesus. It's also about believing then that he didn't stay dead. He resurrected and later ascended to the Father. If you will receive that, if you will believe that, then you get to become God's child, a co-heir with Christ. You get to have life. And then something amazing happens. The Spirit of God sets his home up inside of your life. I don't know how that works, but it's incredible. And what he does is he gives us a life that we could have never had otherwise. He gives us something infinitely more valuable than biological life. He gives us true, deep, meaningful, hopeful life that has a hope and a future. That's the kind of life that we can look forward to in Christ. And so I have some encouragement for you. No matter how bad things get here on earth, and for some of you, I know some of your stories, things have been awful. And I'm sorry about that. I'm deeply sorry about that. But I want you to be encouraged because if you are a Jesus follower, if you have received him, if you have believed in who he is, then no matter how bad things get here, you have a eternal life and future with God himself and with the family of God that can never perish or spoil or fade. It can't be taken away. It's totally secure. And so no matter how bad things are here, it's as bad as it's ever going to get. Also, if you happen to be in a wonderful season of life, praise the Lord for that. The best seasons of life here are as bad as they're ever going to get because things are only going to get better in the next life. That also is going to be absolutely amazing. So, life in Christ. There are four things I want to talk about, four steps to life in Christ that we're going to talk about to help us realize them. The first one is simply to recognize Jesus for who he is. My brother Bob Maddox that was up here um, this morning, um, Bob is the first one that, that got me thinking about this next verse in this way. And the verse is this, it's Matthew 28, 18. It's where Jesus is, is about ready to ascend back to the Father and he says this, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Bob encouraged me one time to think about that. Think about what he said, all authority. And I want you to think about it. Because what Jesus is saying is that all authority um, in the history of anything that's ever existed for eternity past, I have authority over that. He's saying uh, right now, over all of creation that is, is there, over the entire universe, I have authority over that. And also anything that will ever happen in the future, I have authority over that too. All authority has been given to Jesus. And so not only 
Does he have authority over those things and the universe? He also has authority over our planet and the weather and the wind and the rain and the sun and all of those things, but it also means that he has authority over you and over me because he is truly the king of kings. And so recognizing Jesus for who he is starts with acknowledging those things, acknowledging that he is the authority, that he is God and that we are not It's about acknowledging that he has authority over everything in our lives, how we live, how we behave, our our identities, what we worship, everything. Jesus has that kind of authority. It's also about recognizing that he is the author and the agent of both biological life as well as, and more importantly so, deep, true, purposeful, abundant spiritual life. Jesus is the author and the agent of those things. It's also about recognizing who we are and recognizing that we, apart from Christ, are separated from God in our sins, deserving of God's wrath. So I asked you this earlier. I want to ask you again. Do you recognize Jesus for who he is? If so, he is offering you life, and it's free, but there's more steps. The next step then is to receive Jesus into your life. This is about saying, okay, God, I want you to be in control of every single part of my life, everything. God, I feel like I have some control over, over my life. Whether you do or don't, it's debatable. But, but, but God, I'm choosing to set those things aside. I want to set my agendas aside and choose to trust you and your agenda and your control and your authority for my life. God, I'm choosing to, to trust those things. This is something, though, that cannot be inherited. Many of you have been in church for a really, really long time, and you've been in church for a really long time because you love and follow Jesus. You have recognized who he is, and you have received him into your life, and it's wonderful because you want to come together. You want to love and serve together as a family of God. It's amazing. But some of you here, maybe in this other camp, um, some of you, and this is something we don't talk about at church very much, but some of you may have thought you made a decision to follow Jesus some years back, either a long time ago when you were a child or maybe just a few years ago. And some of you may have thought that you um, made a decision to follow Jesus, but there really isn't anything in your life that looks like it. Nothing, except maybe you're hearing a sermon right now and maybe you occasionally hear sermons. But when you come to church and you hear a sermon and then if you leave here and you go live like hell for the rest of the week and there's absolutely no evidence of your life that you've ever really chosen to follow God because you're not obeying him, you're not serving him, you're not loving him the way that he says to be loved, that he wants to be loved, you might be revealing that you are not a follower of Jesus. And so this is something that is important that you must choose yourself. It's not something parents can choose for you or a heritage can choose for you. The nation of Israel had banked on their heritage as God's holy people. They banked on it like they banked on the sun coming up in the morning. They just knew it. So they thought, we're totally secure. But the truth is, God said that they honored me with their mouths, but their hearts were far from me. This isn't something that you can inherit. I have kids All of their lives, I taught them about God. My wife and I both did. We prayed for them. We prayed over them. We we spoke life of the gospel into their lives, and we tried our best to show them what living a life of the gospel looked like. But at the end of the day, as desperately as I wanted to, as their dad wanted desperately to give them my faith, I can't. They have to choose it for themselves. They have to. And you do You have to choose for yourself. This is about saying, God, I receive your word that you wrote down for me. 
God, I will choose to uh, know more about you and to love you and to serve you the way that your word says. It says, God, I receive your spirit to help me. It's about choosing to receive his spirit to help us, to show us how to fight sin, to show us how to love better, to show us how to worship the way he wants to be worshiped. And then once we've recognized and once we have received Jesus, the next step to life is about responding to his grace in our life. Because when Jesus comes into our life, when his spirit begins to dwell inside of us, something about us changes. Something about our life changes. It, it, you can't stay the same. And so we begin to love and serve and fight sin and help and encourage and, and, and do whatever we can around us, both in our own lives, but also in the lives of the people around us. This is about feeding those who are hungry. It's what we do with backpack blessings. It's a wonderful thing to do corporately as a church. It also maybe is amazing if you have a neighbor or a friend or somebody that you know that might need some help with food, maybe you go feed them this week. That would be an amazing thing to do and an amazing way to respond to the grace of God in your life. This is about praying for those who are sick. One of my favorite things to do as an elder is when, when you come to the elder meetings and we get to pray for you. That are, that are needing prayer. I hate it because, um, I hate it for you because usually it's because something's challenging or, or tough or an illness or something's going on, but I love it because it's an absolutely incredible honor to get to sit with you, to hear your story, to get to then put our hands on you and pray for you and over you and pray healing into your life. It's an incredible honor. And if you need that kind of prayer and you want that kind of prayer, let us as elders know we will make ourselves available to you. We will. We've, we believe in that very strongly. This is also about bearing one another's burdens with each other and confessing sin to each other. Not only confessing sin, but when someone confesses sin, you as a follower of Jesus have the ability to listen to them and then declare to them that in the name of Jesus, they are forgiven. You're not forgiving them. God's forgiving them. Maybe you are forgiving them if they've wronged you too, but you're declaring that they now have the forgiveness of God. What an incredible blessing that you can do. It's also about helping them to heal. But it's not just about those inside the church because the last step um, to life is about reflecting Jesus into the world around us. Like the Odilo solar furnace that can reflect sunlight and do some amazing things, we as the family of God should reflect the light and the life of Jesus into the world around us because friends, you know, the world's a dark, dark place. And for me, as I look around at the world, it feels like maybe it's getting darker and increasingly so. And I would think darkness was winning if I didn't believe in what John 1, 5 says, that the light has come into the world and the darkness will not overcome it. He the darkness can't overcome it. And so friends, we need to be about reflecting Jesus into the world around us, reflecting the light into the world around us because it's a dark world and people are groping around in the dark, grasping, looking for anything, looking for a false light, anything that will bring them help. And what they really need is Jesus. What they really need is life in Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to reflect that into their lives and offer them something that they can't find anywhere else. That is what we're here, that is what we're here um, about at Grace Community Church. That's what we've always been about. And I want to confess to you this morning that over the last couple of years, with all of the craziness that's gone on in the world, I didn't forget what we were about, but I got distracted. I got distracted. And I want to tell you today, I am not distracted anymore. I am focused. You may have also gotten distracted. Let this series, let this morning, let God's word and his spirit be a recalibration of your spirit and your heart. 
Don't be distracted anymore. Don't be distracted by the darkness because we have life. We have light and we can reflect that light and life into the world around us. And that's what we as the family of God need to be all about. And so if you have never taken the steps to life and you're recognizing right now that you want to do that, come talk to me. I'm going to be sitting right down here. Um, Worship team, come on up. Um, I'm going to be sitting right down here. At the end of our our, uh, song time together, when we're done worshiping in song, we're also going to have prayer teams available as well on the sides. So come talk to one of them or talk to the person that brought you. And, and, and let us help you get introduced to this King of Kings and Lord of Lords that wants to bring you life. But if you already know Jesus, and maybe you, like me, have been a little bit distracted, then use this time to worship him, to thank him, to appreciate him, to uh, acknowledge him, to recognize him, and to, to ask him to help, him by, help you by his spirit to live the life that he has called us to live. All right, let's worship. good to be together this morning as a church. It's been good to worship together. It's been good to learn together. If you are new or newer to Grace and you're wanting to know a little bit more about this local church family, we have a Next Steps team. They're in the cafe. If you go out the door to the left, you'll see it there on the left. They would love to get to meet you and help you just kind of understand more about what we're about here at Grace. Uh, I have an older brother in Christ, and uh, he is such an incredible gift and encouragement to me, this guy. And because I work nights, a lot of times at the end of his day, he's on his way, you know, kind of wrapping up his work day, but I'm getting ready to get started with my work day. And so he'll often text me at least weekly, but sometimes it's even every day. And one of the things he always says to me is, Sean, go be great. And when he first said it, I was like, what do you mean by that? He said, what I mean by that is you have the light and the life of Jesus in you. It's great. So go show the world how great Jesus is by the way that you live your life. Go reflect Jesus into your workplace. Go help people, encourage people, love people, bless people, pray for people, and also technically take really, really good care of tiny little preemie babies. Do all of that. Go be great is what he says to me. And I think that's exactly right. For those of us that know Jesus, that's what we need to be about all throughout all of our lives. Not only on Sunday morning when we're here, but everything we're doing in life. And so let me pray God's blessing over you. Father, thank you again, God, for just such a wonderful time to be together with our family. God, I pray that you would bless each person here, that God, they would um, know how deeply and passionately you love them. God, that they would know that their identity in Christ is completely secure. God, if there's some that that haven't made a decision to follow you yet, God, would your gospel make sense? Would your spirit awaken some things in their heart, in their life? And God, would you bring them into your family this morning? And God, as we leave and we go from here, Father, help us to be a people that reflect you well, that love others in the name of Jesus, bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go, Father. That's my prayer for all of us. In Jesus' beautiful and strong name, amen. Go be great, Grace. I love you. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.